Welcome to the Theory of DFS podcast. I'm Jordan Cooper, the co-author of the Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports. It's a 15-hour audio DFS masterclass you can pick up at theoryofdfs.com. Join with me, as usual, Neil Orfield, the co-host, the co-host, the host. The, 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 most of the time you hear his, his voice on the, the high-stakes DFS podcast on Stochastic. Dot com. Still have to get used to saying stochastic and not yeah. awesomeo. And uh, Norton, a lot of times I'd say uh, uh, mention something that you talked about with your recent guest, but for the past two weeks, the recent guest was me. Yeah, and we didn't talk about anything interesting. So what are we gonna what are we gonna bring up? Right. What What are we gonna bring up that I talked about interestingly that we have not talked about on this podcast already? I mean, that, that is true. We, you and I have talked about just about everything at this point, and then we just kind of re-talked about it on High Stakes for the most part. I mean, we, we talked about a lot of the same stuff. Uh, we, we got a lot of uh, listener questions too, but um, I don't know if any of it was good good fodder for this podcast. Well, I mean, you had, you had I mean, I, I didn't expect to be on for three hours. Three hours and 40 minutes. <laughs> oh, okay. Even more, even more than that. You had to break that up into two, two different parts. Right, because yeah. you kept on going with the questions. I'm like, how many more questions are there? It's like, okay, questions. You get a couple of questions, and we're we're, we're out of here. I don't obviously, you know me. I don't mind talking for a long period of time, but I, it worked I, out. Not, I mean, we got two, we got two episodes out of it, so it worked out really well for me. Oh, too. okay. So I didn't have to find another guest, and then and then after that, we were like kind of burnt out. Man, that was three hours and forty minutes. Let's take a break until the end of August. Okay, so that's technically your first season. We, yeah, we, we had been talking about uh, breaking it up into seasons just for a break, uh, and it's kind of a, a downtime in terms of uh, listeners Dur- during the summer. It's like people, especially because it comes out you know, Friday afternoon, which I consider kind of uh, cabin season. People are going up to their cabins. People aren't really around listening to podcasts. Well, been how kind of privileged are you that you think everyone's going to their cabins? In Minnesota, everybody is going to their cabins, and they're not always nice cabins. Uh, and actually, I I have not been to a cabin yet this year, uh, but and I know se- several of my friends go to their cabins every weekend. I think that's a fairly common thing. They don't listen. They don't listen to a podcast at the cabin. Probably not high stakes uh, when they're going up to the cabin with their families. I don't think they're throwing on a DFS podcast. Well, in in the first season of of, of your podcast, uh, outside of the past two episodes. Uh, what, what have you, what have you learned the most? What, what have you gleaned? What would high level things about how high stakes DFS players, and when you say high stakes, it could be high volume. It could be, you know, professional. I mean, like, like the term high stakes is kind of a misnomer because I don't, I wouldn't consider either of us to be high stakes players, but still definitely high volume players. And also in comparison to, 99.9% 99.9% of people that play DFS where we play for a decent amount of money, right? We may not be up there with, you know, playing 50,000 a slate, but for most people playing two, three, 4,000 a slate, even a couple of hundred a slate is like the upper, like 99th percentile of DFS players. So from talking to people that are more, more like us, I guess, or above, uh, what what are some things that you that you learned or you feel that a lot have in common? I mean, honestly, the, the biggest thing to me is the wide range. Like, the, there's so the, the difference between my guests is so huge, uh, ranging from 
Geo, RBX88, has won three millimakers, uh, and he doesn't do any of his own like data analysis. He's not using any kind of advanced math. He's just kind of a gut player. Uh, and he, he'll, he takes to the point of like, this player was bad when I played him, so I'm going to just cut him from my lineup, from, from all my, I'm never going to play him again because he was so bad, uh, or at least he claims. That. I don't know that it was ever true. Uh, but he's, he's won three millies just by kind of using his gut intermixed with, I know that he, he used the uh, stochastic projections. I think he's, he's used a range of projections along the way too. So uh, it's actually on, honestly fairly similar to myself in that he's using the projections, which kind of get him a baseline of like, this is what a good lineup looks like because the projections kind of get him there. And then he just uses his gut to, you know, kind of X some players out or get a lot more of certain players. Uh, so there's, there's Geo on the one end of the spectrum, just, playing from his gut to uh, nerdy tenor on the other end of the spectrum where he's not even telling his program what to do. It is uh, using computer learning to figure out, you know, the kinds of correlations you want and the kinds of lineups that you want to play. And it's getting better over time, uh, kind of the complete opposite end of the spectrum. So I think it's uh, one of my main takeaways is there are a lot of different ways to win at DFS. Like just people can win in so many different ways. Well, I, I, I um, think that I think I, I'm going I'm to interrupt you. Okay. I think that's a misnomer. That's new. Right, that's new, interrupting you. Uh, I don't think there's many different ways to win at DFS. I think there's many different ways to get to that point. Sure. But, but okay. the mathematical concepts of winning long-term in DFS, you can't you can't change. So there's there's plenty of people. So like the difference between a someone that doesn't know any sports and just basically programs a computer to do it. I mean, this is past projections. This is just like, I don't even know how to play this game. I'm just going to try to build something that could teach itself how to play to the more instinctual players. Uh, they're still conforming to uh, play when you're playing larger GPPs or GPPs in general that, well, I'm just, I, I can't play the popular players. Completely. And, oh, I have, to, there, there's some amount of correlation here. In baseball, I'm not just playing eight one-offs. I am stacking, or I'm playing a quarterback with two wide receivers. Or something. Like, there's, there's some correlation element. There's some leverage element. And there's some projection element of, even if you don't have projections of, well, who's in the position to do the best today, right? Oh, one thing that I'll push back on a little bit is, we, I did have several guests who basically said they don't use ownership. And I know that you and I have kind of talked about this, that you don't entirely believe them. And I don't entirely believe, because I think even within the conversations, they make reference to, well, a lot of people are going to be playing this guy. So like they, they still Well, that means they're using ownership. That, that, know, that's the point that I'm, but that's the point I'm making, that yeah, they yeah. are, they're, they're building plus EV lineups that even if they don't realize is conforming based on these mathematical principles, they are by I, I I know plenty of of gut players or more instinctual players that especially if they're playing like the low the uh, small field higher stakes contests that are like well I know everyone's going to be playing this and I'm going to be uh, I I'm going to play this guy over that guy for whatever reason it could be who knows day of the week who knows what but. Even though they're not like, I don't know the exact ownership of all these players, nor do I care about the ownership of all these players. I just know that, oh, in basketball, like, oh, most people are going to play this guy. I'm going to play that guy. Like, yep. in and of itself, that means you are using ownership, right? You yeah, are I applying know. leverage. I mean, that that that's really the point that I'm making is that even if they're not even aware of what they're doing, 
Like, right. you get the plus EV lineups, that, that they're, the lineups are have an expected value regardless. How you get there, maybe there's 74 different ways of getting right. there, but you can't get to negative expectation lineups and then be profitable long-term. I mean, you could get lucky no. every so often, sure. but I mean, but for the most part, all your guests, all 18 besides me, and even if you want to include me as the 19th guest, like we we are all building positive expectation lineups for the contest that we're in, having a long-term profit. Some of the swings may be big, right? The ways that we build our bankrolls may be different, right? But ultimately, we're still getting to profitable lineups. It's just a matter of how you're getting there. But the actual construct of what a profitable lineup is can't change. What whether or not I play this guy or that guy, and because of some mathematical, you know, some ownership plus the projection, and then you have nerdy tenor with the I don't know the reason why this is profitable, but my program says it is. And then you have RBX that it's like, well, I'm just xing out this guy, and it just so happens he's overpriced and probably shouldn't play him anyway on this slate, and he's going to play right. this other guy because someone else is playing that. And then you look at you you put all three of our lineups together, and they could have different players, and you'd be like. Well, if you if you ran a simulation even after the fact, and ran them all out and be like, okay, these are all these are all profitable lineups to get to that point, but it's never getting to the point where where people are building bad lineups. So it's a matter of multiple ways of getting to good lineups. Yeah, and, and I, I would say another thing that they all have in common is everybody is working really hard to get to the lineups that they get to. So they all have very different processes to get to these lineups, but like, uh, I mean, Travis Petty, who's, you know, the, the example and, and Bill's fan are kind of similar in my, my, in my mind that they, they're the ones who, uh, you know, say that they don't use ownership as much, but they're also putting in a ton of work getting to figuring out like which players are, uh, undervalued by the rest of the field. So they're, they're still getting to very different lineups just by doing a lot of analysis, uh, figuring out rotations better than everybody else and figuring out, you know, projections for the entire field, uh, better than everybody else. And Gio, I know, uh, even though he's using his gut, it's not like he's doing it in 10 minutes. Gio spends a lot of time working on his lineups and thinking about the plays that he's going to play. Uh, and obviously Nerdy Tenor built out a whole program and, you know, we make it sound like his program does everything, but he built that program. And I'm sure there was a, a lot of work that went into that. So um, I would say that's another thing that everybody has in common is they work very hard. Uh, and, and also they are, I think coming, they're, they're all coming about it from, uh, a unique, a, a unique place relative to most of the field, probably just because of how much work they are putting in. They're, they're all, I mean, they're obviously all very contrarian players, uh, either by design or um, just by their process getting them there. Um, but yeah, I think I think they're all extremely hardworking uh, and extremely contrarian players. Um, well, I think the I biggest, think the, I think the biggest difference, one of the big differences, is. Uh, if it's a word back testability, like the more analytical programmer types are going to be much more precise and much more able to back test their own strategies right. to say, well, I'm, I'm building this way. I'm, I'm, I'm running lineups, running simulations, running everything. And then back testing everything and going, well, based on this, this is what actually happened get a whole bunch of data and then go, well, if I did the same process again, back test, back test, back test, 
what would the results be? So comparing like your actual results versus simulated results, you know, that would be a, a way to judge your process. But with more instinct, instinctive, instinctual players, which I'm, I would say I'm included in that. And probably you're mm. included yeah. in that also. I'm included in that. Uh, is that it's it's almost it's almost impossible to backtest. Like you have to be reliant more on a large sample size of actual results. Like my my backtestability is just did I build my lineups relative to ownership properly? And if the ownership was off, then I could judge my lineups and go, yeah, I should have built different lineups. But the problem is, is that that will always exist slate after slate. So there's no way to essentially reverse engineer it. Like whatever, whatever I do conceptually, I have to, I have to do each and every time. There's no, there's no way to necessarily speed that up or put it in a box and say, well, if you just do this type of thing, like if you talk to RBX 88 and go, well, if you, if you were to teach someone how to play the way you play, like it's impossible without, well, on this specific slate, I'm going to play this way, but on that slate, I'm not. And on this, like... Yep. It becomes a, a complete it depends fest. Yeah, right. Which, I mean that that's true for for us as well. Us RBX. I feel like you know players who are playing instinctually. It's it's always just it depends. It's every every slate is so different. And you know people ask me, well, what kind of stacks do you build in baseball? And I'm like, well, it depends on the slate. I mean, it, it's always uh, it's always going to be an it depends fest. And I think it, if it's not, you're probably playing it wrong. Generally, I mean, if you're not. Uh, conforming to the different slates that you're playing you're probably not going to be profitable long term because some slates you're just going to be playing completely wrong now maybe i mean we, we had this discussion about uh taking a macro approach so I, I guess maybe there are there are ways that you can do the same thing slate after slate and it being correct uh like i mean the, the brian jester for example another another great guest uh takes the approach of just playing extremely high variance lineups every slate and I think the majority or all of his MMA lineups are extremely high variance and uh, not going to be duped. He takes a, a very different approach than uh, like yourself or uh, I mean, not, not a very different approach than, than yourself, but you take a more conservative approach in terms of getting to, uh, we've had this discussion a million times, but lineups that are sometimes duped three times that you think are probably higher EV or going to hit at least more often that they're more worth playing than some lineups that are not duped at all, um, which is something that I tried to replicate as well. I think I tried to get to more like your approach, although it uh, doesn't always work as, as I saw this past weekend. Um, Why? <laughs> Why? What was wrong with your lineups this past weekend? I guess you, you made, you made money. Out. I saw you made a little, I did. Pop. You made I a did. little nibble. Yeah. I, uh, I made money for the first time ever, and I think it was probably my worst set of lineups ever. Uh, I had a lineup that was duped 115 times. I had another lineup that was duped 80 times, and then I had like 13. I, I had 88 lineups, and I think I had 13 that were duped 10 or more times. Uh, so, so that's what was wrong with my lineups. And I, I had some uniques, but it was overall. I, I looked at my lineups uh, immediately after after lock and was immediately like, oh god, this is a this is so bad. Well, it's 11, it's it was 11 over. fights late because one of the fights got canceled. So it makes duping really difficult. Mine, on this past late, all, to me, all you really had to do to make sure you weren't going to get duped is just to remove, uh, just set a group so you only have one of uh, uh, Onama, uh, Fiziv, uh, Lawrence, or Dos Anjos. Because those are the 
four most owned fighters on the slate. And just as long as you have only one, you're probably gonna be you're probably gonna be fine. But that's that's for that specific MMA slate. Like we were talking about, it depends on the slate, right? It depends. Yeah. But there are there are macro concepts that obviously that we talk about on this podcast that I talk about in the course. But it's how to apply those concepts for on a slate to slate basis. I think that's that's the commonality between all of your guests on the podcast. I think it's the ability to remain objective to the situation. So like in all of the episodes, and I listen to them all, it's very rare to hear any anyone that's a high stakes DFS player, high volume, quote, professional or serious, whatever term you want to use, to say things in absolutes. Like to say things that like, well, I always do this. Like you, you, you I didn't, I didn't listen to episodes. Of, well, uh, you, you do very well in NFL. Yeah, yeah, because I always just do this, and it's yeah. like you, you, you typically don't hear that. You don't hear. I never heard anyone say that they have a system, right? This is my system. I, I get, I get that it. They have to be seven point spreads. Then I have to line this up. Like you, ne- you never hear any of that. Now you hear a lot of that from like amateur people, right? From recreational players, even sports betters. Right, they have a system, a horse racing system, type of thing. But the the best players don't have systems. They have ob- the ability to look at a slate objectively and go. In general, yes, probably going to stack five, five, five guys on DraftKings, probably. But it's a three game slate, and there's some dynamic with the pricing that's off or something. And you'd be like, I don't think this is the slate. I think you're going to run into t- too many too many of this and too many of that. I think this is like, I'm just going to take three guys from this team. Right. And I'm going to leave 500 on the table. It's like, well, that's looking at a slate objectively. We have a, we have a slate tonight that, that, that uh, on DraftKings that they forgot to price up cores that hmm. that's like, oh, okay, you can play two 10 K pitchers and stack course field. It's like, oh, isn't that great? And but it's everybody like, else will do it. Right. No, yeah, of course. No one else will do it. Right. Well, yep remaining objective to the slate. It's like, it's a large enough slate that some people would think, okay, well, if, if people are going to, if, if everyone's going to do that, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stack cores, but play neither of the 10 K pictures, or they're going to think I'll play. I just won't play. And I'll X out cores. Cause that'll be different. And it's like, it doesn't have to be one or the other, right? It doesn't have to be, you either do this whole thing or rip out half of it. Or rip out the other half of it. It could be a nuance of, well, let's take a look at let's take a look at the Padres lineup. It's like what combinations may not be as owned, right? Everyone's going to play Machado and Voit at first and third, but those are power spots. Maybe even if they do have a good game, you could find a first base or third baseman that has two home runs in one of the other games. So it's like, why don't I just? Why don't I play kind of like almost like the crappier hitters? Everyone's playing Voight, but less people are playing Hosmer, and they're both first base eligible. So I'm going to play Hosmer, and people are going to fill Nola in their catcher spot because it's a Coors catcher at 3K. It's like, well, why don't I play the Rockies catcher who's kind of overpriced, but it's still Coors, and they still have a five and a half total. Now you start piecing your lineup together, and you're like, maybe you're not playing both 10K pitchers, and you look at your lineup, and you still have five Coors Field bats, one of the 10K pitchers, and it projects for like way higher than your, I'm going to X out all the chalk type of lineups. And it's like, maybe, maybe that's the, maybe that's a good lineup, right? Thinking yeah. objectively about the slate where you're not, 
You're not just setting these hard rules. I noticed in, 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 in eight, I mean, you notice amongst any, any sharp player, they, they, it's very rare for them to talk in absolutes. And I thought that was highlighted in a, in a lot of the, the interviews where they, no one could, no one, it, they conform to my, my stupid question rule, right? If you could answer the question with a yes or no, or an exact number, then it's probably a stupid question. And most of their answers were not yes, no, or an exact number. And I feel like I, I get a lot of DMs from more casual players who will basically tell me, I figured it out. And like they think that they found some magic formula for this is how you win at baseball. I figured it out. And I've, I haven't seen any of those players go on to be successful. And I'll try to lead them you know, away from that a little bit. But I, I, I think that, yeah, that's true. That's a lot of more casual players are looking for some magic formula or some system to be like, oh, this is how you win at this sport. Whereas the better players just adjust over time and figure out, look at each slate differently. So yeah, I think that's that's a really good point that everybody who has been on uh, doesn't talk in absolutes and, and does kind of uh, adjust to every slate. I just always wonder what those people that think there's a magic formula, like do they do they legitimately think that like there's all this content out and it's just like, no, this is all us obfuscating the fact that there's a magic formula. Right. Like if there was a magic formula, like I think in terms of like from a, from, from, it's the same, it's the same reason why I, I put out theory of DFS, the, the course is that if there's a magic formula, someone's going to, someone's, someone's going to let people know and, and sell it. Right. Yep. If there was, if there happened to be a magic formula, someone would be selling it for $500 a pop or something and making tons of money without risk. Right. Cause now you can just make money without, without having to, cause even if there was a magic formula, it doesn't work every, it's, it's, it's not, well, you win first place every slate like that, that, that doesn't exist. I don't think even casual players think that that exists, but they right. think it's like, there's a profitable, I just have to plug this in five minutes later, I get 150 great lineups. And over the course of the year, I'm going to make a million dollars type of thing. Like that, that's what they think. And I just, I just wonder, do you, do you just think we're all in on it on just like, we all know the magic formula and we're just not telling anyone. And we're just like, okay, Neil, me and you, we got the magic formula. We, we were in the secret collusion chat. We got sent the magic formula. And now we have to come up with ways to explain daily fantasy sports that really doesn't matter. As long as you had that magic formula, just so people like just don't get on our scent. That's right. like, oh, we're, we're kind of making up all these concepts just so you go down the rabbit hole a long enough time and hopefully you never find the magic formula. Like, I just, it just feels weird. Like, how does that make any sense? Yeah. Well, I mean, it makes sense because there are 30 of us who have the magic formula. So we just take turns winning. So it's, you know, obviously you don't win every slate because you have to share it with the other 30 people who have the magic formula. So I think it actually logically makes sense that. No, uh, but logically, know, then what, what, what's all the con? If we had the magic formula, then what? Sure. Why, why are we why are we talking for an hour plus every week and and I do five shows and I'm answering questions like why why would I well, be like doing said, that? We have to we don't want other people figuring out the magic formula, so we have to throw them off the scent, tell them ah, about okay. things like so, correlation. So that's, what, and, that's what it is. So we're yeah. purpose. Like, if it wasn't for the fact that we're content providers in DFS, people would end up finding the formula too quickly. Exactly. Exactly. So that's that's the reason why Stochastic puts out content and Roto Grinders puts out content is because we right. all know there's a magic formula and we share it and there's only about thirty to fifty of us and we, right. we every every day one of us wins and it's like well once we're at like fifty like the fifty first person now our our prop now we want to win 
once every 50 days, not once every 51st day. So it was easy enough for us to find the magic formula. It took us a while, but once we found it, we're part of the secret collusion chat group. Uh, is this so, any crazier than the QAnon stuff that we've been hearing? Right, I know that's, I mean, I'm trying to put it like, it's like, so we're coming out with content just so it, it, it's an obstacle. So you never find it. Right. It's like, as, as long as you keep on listening to us, they won't, it, it's like the, the wizard of Oz. You won't see the man behind the curtain type of yeah. thing. And if there weren't any content, there'd be 50, there'd be 500, a thousand people that would be like, Oh, I found the magic formula. I found it behind the door. And knocking on our secret collusion chat, going, nah, I want to be, I want to be one of the winners. So this actually this brings up an interesting uh, conversation that we had on high stakes, where you at one point said you think that 100% of people could be profitable DFS players if they put in the work. You think the people who believe these kinds of conspiracy theories could be profitable players? Well, I, 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 I have, I have both an optimistic and pessimistic view of uh, humanity at the same time. I think I think it's a, a, a I don't know I don't know what it's called I think it's the reverse Dunning Kruger effect. I have I I looked it up. I, I, I there's nothing that necessarily fits the consensus effect. Kind of fits it a little uh, as a cognitive bias that uh, I believe other people like why why wouldn't they have the same abilities that I do? Right. It's 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 the it's the reverse. It's it's like the Dunning Kruger effect is. That that stupid the the stupider you are, the smarter you think you are, yeah. right? So like stupid. It's also people, the opposite. I think that's still the Dunning Kruger effect. That the smarter you are, the less confident you are in your intelligence. I think that's also part of Dunning Dunning Kruger, isn't it? No, but it, but it's how you reflect on other people. So like the so if you you the stupider you are, the less likely you are to judge someone else's intelligence. So you believe that you're 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 smart about something when you're really not. So the more, so sure. the, right. But the smarter you are typically goes the reverse. Typically the smart, you have a, a imposter syndrome type of yeah. thing where it's like, I'm not special. Like, and I say that it's like, I, I, I don't think I'm the smartest person at all. And I, I look it up at other people and go, they're way smarter than me. Right. So like I, I got to up my game. Uh, but it also is the reverse of how you reflect on other people of like, because I don't believe I'm special and I'm like, what I'm doing is not magical. It see it's it doesn't take that to me, it doesn't take that much intelligence to understand that I can't understand how 95% of people don't. Like right. that, it's it's that it's and and a lot of it I can understand not being a numbers person. I am a numbers person. So at least I have that that self-reflection of like there's some people that aren't numbers people, and there are also some people that don't learn in the ways that I learn, I get it, mm. but it's, it, the, the laziness that that's, that's the thing. And it, it's weird for me to say that it's, 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 a, it's a, it's a, I think it's a brain thing because I can't, I can't change it. Cause even, even with my wife, like my, my, my wife is the complete opposite of me. Okay. So like my wife, number one, actually actually has emotions and shows compassion and i mean she's in a field where she does that she has adhd right, right? she she's 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 not a necessarily good learner she's more of a trial and error type of she's not a read an entire book and then know the entire subject type of thing and just read everything she she doesn't learn that way right she sounds kind of like me actually 
in a lot of ways. Right. She she needs she needs a lot more structure and a lot more visualization. So she yeah. learns many more by watching other people do it. Mm-hmm. Well, someone like me, like I don't have to watch anyone do it. Just get I will I will just out I will watch and outread everything possible on the subject and I'll I'll rewatch something for 40 minutes just to get the 20 seconds that Okay, that's the that's the nugget I need, and then go yeah. to something else and go. That's the nugget I need. So like I learn that way. So to me, like watching five hundred hours of video isn't like absurd to do because it's something that if I really wanted to do it, that's exactly how I would learn. So mm-hmm. like the the laziness factor. Like my 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 wife doesn't process. It's it's hard for me to explain because it's it's it's. In my brain, it's almost unfathomable that she can't process uh, information well. Like as far as like a Google search, for instance. Okay. So it's like a matter of uh, like, she, so she will ask me uh, a lot of times, like she's cooking some chicken dish or something like that. And uh, how, how, how she'll, she'll ask me, said, can you Google how long to, to, to what temperature do you need to get like thawed chicken up to or so like some some type of thing like that? Mm-hmm. And I'll look I'll look it up. I'll I'll look it up. Now, Google will not give you the answer. It will just scrape data and show you sites that yeah. have the answer, but it's not just one answer, because that question doesn't have like it's exactly that. So you have to look through and go, well, on this recipe it says uh, put in the pot for 15 minutes and cook at 380. And the next one says, put in the pot for 12 minutes and cook at 375. And then the next one says, put in the pot for 18 minutes and cook at 350. And then you have to go, and then you have to decipher, like, what's mm-hmm. the right answer? And it's like, I look through, and I look through, and like, uh, if you're putting it in somewhere between 12 and 15 minutes at around 375, that sounds about right. And that's all, that's all she needed to know. Yeah. But as far as her Googling it, she can't, she... The information overload, like to her, she always describes yeah. it as it feels like it's information overload. Like I, it either doesn't give me the direct answer or it makes me have to look through stuff. And I'm like, that's, that's, I don't want, I don't, that's the, exactly the way that I look at stuff of like, I don't even trust the first answer. I'm going to go and click through 18 yeah. different results just to double check. And well, in this case, the, this, this recipe called for this. So maybe obviously one of the recipes was a slow cook recipe. So obviously that's why the temperature is lower. This one is, is being done in the microwave and that's why it's three minutes. And obviously that doesn't matter. Like she, her brain does not work in a fashion where she's able to decipher information that quickly. Like, so it's over. so it's just like, it's just to her, it's just an overload of information. And for me, I, 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 I sit in my, it's like, I sit in a, in a, uh, uh, like a, chair in the sun and just let the information just please just, I want a, a fire hose of information to just wash over me. And I could decipher through the 95% of crap to get to the 5% that I need. So like from a looking up perspective, whenever people are like, like, well, how do I do this? It's like, well, just Google it. Like what, why, why are you wasting my time? Like, this is not something that I need to, I'm not special. Remember, I'm not, I, I didn't invent this stuff. I learned from, I Googled it. Someone asked me, how do I do this thing in Excel? It's like, type it into Google. What am I explaining? This is, it's an Excel, it's Microsoft Excel. It's been around for a while. You think there's a YouTube f- tutorial on that function. 
How do I count these lineups? Well, it's the count function, right? If I need to learn, and, and I learned everything in Excel, you know how? By Googling everything. I just like, I don't know how to do this. Excel, whatever. And then a lot of times, you don't, the first result isn't the right answer. You have to go through and go, go, okay, well, how about this? What's this application? And then there's three YouTube videos. And next thing it's just easier to ask Jordan. I mean, right. But to me, it's easier to to go through and do all like I'm not going it, to it's going to be harder for me to understand someone individually explaining it to me than me. Let me look at everything and then let me be the one to decide what's important and what's not important, because what ends up happening, Neil, in reverse, typically explaining things to me, people are are get very frustrated. Like. Because I take because because to me everything has to be very precise and literal, because of how my how my brain works. I'm probably on the spectrum somewhere. So like, if someone if imagine directions right now we have Google Maps and stuff like that. But even even before even 2004 internet, right? I had MapQuest. I'll print out directions. I people would tell me how to get places like to a comedy club or something like that, and I go just give me the address, and and they. And they go, it's like, just the address? It's idiot. I'll just type it into MapQuest. It's like, and then a lot of times people are like, well, the MapQuest, I don't trust MapQuest. I'll give you, I'll tell you how to get there. I go, nope, don't tell me how to get there. I trust MapQuest. I'm the same way as you, as far as directions go. I just, I'm I'm terrible with directions in general, but I know that if I can just print out directions, I can follow instructions. I can just follow the directions that are given to me. But that's not the point that I'm making. The point that I'm making is that you get directions from someone and someone says, take uh, t- uh, take the second light and I go the second, the second stoplight. Oh, I see. Yeah. Right. Like sometimes, cause what ends up happening is that there's, there's a flashing like firelight, like a yellow one. And I'm like, is yeah. that the second light? Right. Cause that is yeah. a light. Is it a stoplight uh, go, go uh, t- uh, on your third, third left. And some people count the street that you were just on as the first one. Sometimes they don't like, I bet you hate the the image checkers to see if you're a human. I mean, everybody hates them, but uh, it right because like I have to look at very detail and go, "Is there really a bike in that square?" I don't know. It looks like the tire is very close, and it takes me longer because it's like, "What are you doing to me?" Like, I'm going to yeah. make sure that there's you know how many how many flowers are in the whatever. But but that's the but that's the point that I'm making that that like why I view when you said like how much percent of the people that play DFS a hundred percent should be able to. So I view it's like why why can't you learn how if you wanted if you want to do it why can't you because this is this is mostly not it's not hard and most of the information is even out like it's not even 2015 anymore it's like like dude like if you if, spend forty bucks and you got everything yep. yeah yeah the tools are there there yeah I agree with you that most people should be able to be good at DFS. I don't know that that's ever going to be the case because there's always going to be uh, people who just can't figure it out. I, I think that I have uh, less confidence than you do in uh, a majority of the people. I think that a lot a lot of people could be very good at DFS who are not, um, but 100% to me is uh, an, un- an unrealistic number. I think 90% is an unrealistic number, but probably you know a, a lot more people could be great at DFS if they put in the work uh, than but, are. But do you, think, do you think it's magic formula syndrome? Because that, to me, I think that's the the, the 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 thing that stops the most people. You think because it's too many people think that there is just 
Yeah, yeah. I think that that probably is a part of it. The people are trying to figure out what the magic formula is. Um, that that could be. Well, I I I, I I I related very much to to even content creation because I mean I've just I'm not just done content in in DFS. I mean I've been doing it for a long time in other in other fields that. The first thing that, like, 95% of people fail for two reasons. One, that they quit too early, or they uh, take too many shortcuts, right? So, so many people, so many people I talk to that, you know, I used to do video game content. I used to do do that. I used to do tech, a tech podcast. I used to... I know I've been doing I've been doing content stuff for a long time, even comedy, obviously stand up comedy. And I go and like even in stand up comedy, it's like the 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 comics that succeed are the ones that just focus on writing the best material. Like here's the only two things you need to be successful in stand up comedy. Said be so good that you cannot be ignored. Right where you just get on stage and you, and you and you kill and no no one can deny the fact that you're good, and number two, put yourself in the position to get opportunities. Like just, hey, you don't have a spot that night. You're still hanging out at the club because you never know not who you meet and what opportunities come up. If you stay, if you're just gonna stay at home and only go out twice a week or something like like how how number one how are you gonna get better and how are you gonna put yourself in the position to get opportunities? Now you do that for a long enough time. And you get good, and you put yourself in a position, you'll get the opportunities. What the opportunities are, who the hell knows? But so many people look for the shortcuts. They they go, well, what 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 exactly do I have to do here? What did how did you get this? How did what did you do here? Instead of like, well, are you are you so good that you can't be ignored? Well, I don't know. Well, if you don't know, then maybe you shouldn't be seen. Maybe at there there are a lot of times in in in, enter, in the entertainment industry that you don't want to be seen, right? You, that you're not good enough. Like you, you, cause you only have one chance at a first impression. And sure. there, 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 there were several times early in my career that I had an audition for something that truthfully I didn't, I didn't deserve. I didn't get, but should I have been auditioning for, you know, Conan O'Brien two years into doing stand-up comedy? I was good for it two years and be good for an 18 year old, 19 year old. Yeah. But compared to, you know, doing, going on the road and doing it 20, when I was 28, 30 years old, I look back at my set from back then and go, geez, how did I ever think that that would get on Conan? Like, like it wasn't bad, but it wasn't great. And it's like, why would I, why would I want the booker of Conan O'Brien to see that set? Cause then right. by the time that they'd have to forget who you are. The next time, because if you don't get it at that point, it's like, well, right. let, 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 let us see in six years, right? Type of thing, as opposed to just doing the work and putting yourself in the position to get opportunities, not, not forcing opportunities sure. or even in the content space for DFS. It's like, what, well, how'd, how'd you, how'd you get this? How'd you get that? It's like, I just did stuff myself that I enjoyed doing. Right. And I just kept on doing it. And I just put myself out yep. there. And I, I was on Twitter and I interacted with people. That's my version of putting yourself in the position to get opportunities. Doesn't mean me tweeting myself. It means responding for other people, right? 
And not in a trolling way, in a helpful way, in a joking way. Have some memes, have some, everyone's hanging out type of thing. And then people notice you. And it just, as long as what you're doing is too good to be ignored. And then you do those right. two and next thing you know, four, five, six years later, eight years, 10 years later, I mean, who knows how long it takes. You're there, but there's so, there's so many people that, I mean, I've, t- I've talked to se- several people over the past year about doing, you know, fantasy sports content. And they're like, Can, what, what should I, I want to st- I want to start whatever like that. How do I X, Y, and Z? I said, said, what, what do you enjoy doing? I don't know. It's like, take whatever you enjoy doing, whatever you enjoy talking about, whatever, and in whatever medium that you enjoy the most. So if you enjoy writing, write. If you enjoy talking, talk. If you enjoy video, video. Did whatever you want. You want to do a newsletter? You want to do a do a blog? You want to do whatever it is. Just do it. You want to do a YouTube channel? Go do it. They're just what whatever whatever it is. Do you do you enjoy uh breaking down just you you're you're big into pitching for MLB. So just do pitching. Don't do don't and and you're doing DF you're doing for DFS stuff and you're just like oh, you're you're the pitching guru, right? So just do, not because that's that that's a good niche. Just because you, that's what you enjoy doing. Who knows yeah. what who knows what it's gonna be three years from now? And then I'll say something like that and go three years. It's like well I'm I'm looking to get something like like how do I start like it's like start now I want to make now. money yeah. right? It's like it's like you're not. Yeah, nobody knows who you are. Right, nobody knows who you are, and even if you are writing something that is can't miss, people can't figure that out right away. They need to see your results over the time. They need to see that you're actually right. doing a good job. That there is value in what you're putting out there. Yeah, it's it's impossible to. to yeah, but jump but right here in. the but here are the questions that I get though from yeah. these types of people. It's like, uh, what 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 uh, they talk about you? They ask me about YouTube thumbnails, right? They ask me about uh, uh, headline writing. Right, so it's like it's a, it's a lot. It's a lot of the stuff that I'm that digital marketing wise that that I know I know how to do, which is mm-hmm. uh, one of the reasons why uh, the theory of daily fantasy sports thumbnails on YouTube aren't good. I know they aren't good because they're not designed to be good. They're not designed to be clickbait because these are two hour long episodes, and there's no value to me in getting six thousand people to click on it. For them to go, oh my God, it's two hours. And then th- for those types of people to get bored after three minutes. Right. Like it's no, I don't care about it. I, I want them to all look the same. So you see that there, there's a series of different people on and they're numbered. And if you want to go through and listen to something from two years ago, go for it. It's in the description, what we talk about. And that's what it's, that's what it's designed to do. Now, could I do clickbait thumbnails? Of course I can, right? I could do I could do head I could do uh, the twelve things you wouldn't believe. I could do the the Twitter threads. I could, it's not like I don't know this, but for what I'm looking to do, I'm 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 not looking for the biggest audience. I'm looking for the most valuable audience. So for my intended purposes, I don't I don't care necessarily about that. But for someone that has no no. Uh, that has no idea what their audience is, has no following, has no uh, monetization method, not, no, has not, not, nothing set up. It's just like, mm-hmm. I want to do content because it looks fun. And then they're worried about headline writing. And, and it's like, no, literally don't worry about any of that at all. Like none of that is going to matter now. 
the whole point of what you're doing, you're going to open mic night, right? So when you go to open mic night as a stand-up comic, you ain't going there with headshots and business cards, right? You're not at that point yet. You, you, haven't, you haven't done stand-up yet, right? So don't worry, don't worry about the, what type of business card you have. You know, spend the time that you would make on a business card on writing more material that's, that's getting better. Right. Okay. So, so here, here's my question. So I, uh, I, I recently had this question. A, a guy that I know a little bit was telling me that he wants to get into DFS content, uh, and I, I told him, yeah, I told him start making your own stuff, um, and I told him to be very present on Twitter. That was kind of the, the only real advice that I could give him was start making your own stuff about things you know and be more present on Twitter. Uh, but it's not something that I really have a lot of experience with. But for somebody who is trying to start their own thing. And, and starting to create their own content. How do you even get somebody to click your link to begin with? The, the first time, how do you get somebody to click it? Because they know who you are. So being more present on Twitter, I guess that That's kind of correct. covers that. Yeah. Let people know what, who you what are. I, what, I, what I did, uh, I, I was part of a video game uh, site that we, we did tactics, tactical content for football manager, which is a soccer simulation game that's very popular especially in the UK, not so much here. Uh, I was big into the game. I mean, I was a nerd of the game. It's very similar to out-of-the-park baseball, if you know that, that, or baseball mogul. It's like one of those types of games, but really detailed for soccer people. Uh, so this is like, like late, late 2000s, 2007, 2008. Uh, I just played it a lot. So I was, I was just on the official forums. I was on this site's forums. And... This, this, all the official site had a huge forum, uh, that I participated in. And like, there were like two guys that like moderated the tactics section of there that had their own site and they, and they ran simulations. It was really nerdy stuff. They really got into details of that. So I was attracted to that. So I went there and I just participated in, I just basically, I was there, participated in forums and discussed stuff and, got to the point where uh, since I did stand-up and since I know audio-video, I'm like, I, I, made, I made a little blog, a little, a little like, uh, on, like, uh, like, Blogspot or something like that. Uh, or I co-host, like, no, I made my own host because I, I knew what I was doing. I think it originally was on Blogspot and then I, then I co-hosted it. Uh, and I, I would do, like, memes so like football manager meme like jokes and stuff and, mm -hmm. and 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 just post them on there fake news stories right that all you would only get if you were part of like the official game forums so it was a lot of inside jokes and whatever uh and then through that because they knew me from the forum that people clicked on the link they clicked on the link and go you know and this is and then because it was funny and no one was doing funny stuff, people shared it. People post. I would see it posted in other forums around 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 the space in the football manager forums. I go, this is funny. Look, and then ha people would know who I am, right? And then yep. no one was doing a podcast. I mean, this is like 2007, so there weren't that many podcasts in general. Uh, so I'm like, I'll do it. So I did the first ever football manager podcast, and my first guest was the head of the tactical forum from the, because that's who I looked at that, who wrote all the good tactical articles. And we had a conversation. And since there was literally no, there was, there's never a show about this game. 
the, that first episode, like in the first week, got 25,000 downloads. Oh, wow. Which for, is, now doesn't sound all that impressive, but I mean, especially in 2000. Even now it sounds fairly impressive. Yeah. But it's, but it's like, well, how did it get to that? How did it get there? Well, I wouldn't have gotten anyone to click on the link or even know who I am without actually putting in the time. And to me, I wasn't putting in the time as like a nefarious thing of like, I'm going to act like I'm interested so I could sell my, which didn't have any sales or anything. Just, just like, no, I was just, I'm hanging out here. I see people contributing articles and stuff like that. What can I do to contribute to this community? Yep. Talking and, about what you enjoy talking about. And I did what I enjoyed talking Exactly. And then, and it goes from there. And then I ended up becoming like the webmaster of this, that site. And then we all built strategy guy. And I just, it took off from there. But like, by the time there was any monetary benefit to doing all of that, it was three and a half years later. Right. And then as when we started our Twitter account, because this is like 2009 ish. So this is like very early Twitter. Uh, how, how, how do we gain traction on tw- the site? I ran the site's web, uh, the Twitter account. Uh, I just used Twitter search because uh, since I've been in, I was been in digital marketing for God knows how long. Uh, I used TweetDeck, or there were a lot of other third-party tools back then. TweetDeck wasn't even part of Twitter, uh, to search for the game. So I just put in the search term of like FM, F, F Football Manager, FM 2010, and just found people that were tweeting about the game. Most of, A lot of times complaining about a bug, having a problem with the game, because it's a very complicated game. And all I do is just respond to everyone. Like I literally respond, like respond. It would just be on my screen on a second screen and it would come up at like every half an hour or so I'd go through. And so I was like, oh, okay, I just, just because the game just came out. So it's like people like mm-hmm. just got in can't wait to go home and blah, 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 blah. And my video, the video game is like, glad to hear what, what team are you going to start with? <laughs> right? Like that's all I'm doing is just engaging, engaging. And then people are like, yeah. uh, people always have problems depending on their computer setup on how to, had it that there's a driver issue on a PC. All of this information is in the official forums. So like it's all posted there, but of course people don't fucking look for it. Yeah. So all I did was just leave the forums open and give anyone, I was doing the tech support for the game because the, the game, the, 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 the video, the official video game site was just there on Twitter promoting stuff, just like never replying, just like, look, look, here's a thing. And it comes out tomorrow and blah, blah, blah. Look at that. Like that, like a marketing message. And I was just replying to everyone as possible. And we built up thousands of Twitter followers because people would then follow you and go, okay. Right. Especially back then. And it's like, well, this is before you make any money. This is, there's no money. This is just getting involved and getting known so that when you do, something then it's like oh no here it is imagine me coming out with the theory of daily fantasy sports in 2015 but first off i was barely playing so that be able to teach like this is i didn't learn most of this but it, no one knew who i was like imagine me did like a, do it, this podcast would have not what three listeners my mom would listen yep. or something but that's what people wanted that people think that oh, well i'm just gonna do that and just like like no, be, 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 be around, be, I mean, I'm, I'm not even just talking about content. I'm getting back into just like even learning about DFS. Sure. Like if, like if you, if you are serious about being coming a profitable DFS player, this is not the type of thing 
where it's like, I'll, I'll, I'll play on Friday and then I'll play for two weeks. And then, yeah, maybe right. I'll play this week of NFL and then I'll play this NBA slate and then not play NBA. Like, and you're just like kind of like moseying around and then go like, what, like, why can't you tell me how, what's the magic formula, Neil? Why can't you just tell me the magic formula instead of like putting in the work day in and day out and not looking for the, ma- and like to me, to me, I find that most of the questions are people looking for the magic formula. It's like, yeah, you're, I agree with that. you're still not uh, understanding the concepts. So here, here's another question I have in terms about the discussion of, you know, the percentage of people who have the ability to be profitable at DFS. Uh, I think that you and I both come from, um, we both kind of naturally think probabilistically and kind of have a natural grasp of like, how likely of an outcome is this? I think that there are a lot of people who have, who struggle a lot more than we do with the, well, the Yankees have a, you know, if the Yankees have a 20% chance to be the best team on a given slate, a lot of people, because they, they have the highest odds of anybody, they can't get themselves to stop thinking about it as being like a hundred percent chance. Right. They and, don't understand that 80% of the time it's some other team. Right. Yeah. So, so they have, they have a lot of, trouble with that concept of like, yes, this is the team. Like if you're going to play one team that has the best chance of being, you know, th- this is the best cash team, you know, uh, your, your cash team is still going to lose most of the time. So I think a lot of people have a trouble with that concept. And uh, what I'm wondering is, do you think that the way to get around that is just by playing? Like experience is kind of how you learn to think. You think some people are just a lost cause? Yeah. I mean, on this past MMA slate, in, in one of the discords I'm in, People were tilting the fuck out of Ronnie Lawrence. Yeah. Okay. Ronnie Lawrence was like one of the most popular fighters on the slate, uh, because he, he's a he's a chain wrestler, right? He was eighty four hundred. I played very little of him. I played his opponent. I played a ton of his opponent for Me leverage too. purposes. Uh, and Kakramanov took him took Lawrence down, and Lawrence couldn't even get back up. You know why? Because Lawrence really isn't a great defensive wrestler. It's just that he goes for a lot of takedowns and against weaker opponents. That'll he, he has success doing that. And for DFS scoring, we love it. Right? So people are tilting the fuck out of like, you know, well, Ronnie Lawrence was quote the best play and like he wasn't the best play. It's just that in his wins, he puts up a lot of points if he wins and people played a ton of them like well I'm looking for eight takedowns and everything like that it's like like Ronnie Lawrence was a minus 130 favorite right we're not talking about if he was minus 1500 and lost like that I can understand going yeah yeah like 90 94% of the time he should destroy this guy and I don't know this is the 6% of the time he got rocked he got wrecked yeah. minus 130 right so people are treating this like they're tilting the fuck out of like, I can't believe I played this guy. He sucks. And it's like, like, what did you, what did you expect? Like, it's like, well, I expected, I expected him to take him down two, two or three times around and dominate on top control. It's like, yeah, but he was only a 53% favorite. I mean, like, like, like he wasn't a big favorite. Like the other guy had like a 47 chance percent chance of winning. So it's like, yep. well, everyone, I read, I read all these articles that all, everyone loved him. They said, yeah, they love him for DFS purposes when he wins. But the likelihood of his winning was like about a coin flip. So it's like, yeah, when he right. wins, he puts up a lot of points. When he loses, he doesn't. 
right? So like that whole probabilistic thing of like, just because he projects well for that outcome, like how often is that outcome? I was trying to support your point though, Blender, that, that everybody has this capability. And now you're giving the counterpoint to it saying, yeah, some people just can't get themselves to think probabilistically. Yeah, but it's think, a, how, how do you not get to that point? I like, how do you, I, I, yeah, I, that's I the, that's the brain. I don't know. My brain matter doesn't, I, it just, it, it Oh, so, so you're saying mind. that 100% of people could be good at DFS if they were just smarter. <laughs> that's kind of what I'm hearing. <laughs> but I don't, but is that a smart thing? Cause I don't consider it ha having to do with intelligence. There are plenty, there are, the I, I, I played plenty of people yeah. playing poker. Great poker players are awfully dumb, but when it comes to poker, very smart. Like just done, okay. like like people that couldn't express anything that they do in on a poker table mathematically at all. Yep. Right. Like the no mathematical, but they do. They instinctively, like, oh yeah, I'm gonna call that bet there because a lot of there's a lot of money in the pot, and he bluffs off it enough. He could be bluffing, right? And it's like that's a dumb way of putting it, but the correct uh, the correct decision. Right, like everything involved, like you're you know you're not thinking probabilistically. It's like like how often does this thing happen? I don't know, but it doesn't happen that often, right? But he doesn't know how much it really does or doesn't. He just knows that like this happens about a coin flip. This happens about the, like th okay, those differences. Let me rephrase it. Uh, not if they were smarter. Everybody could be great at DFS if they had better instincts. Then I mean, it's still it's still <laughs> kind of the same thing. It's like yeah, if everybody was if everybody is better at DFS, they'd be better at DFS. Like I I don't know. I think there are people who are just like you said. I think there are people who can't figure it out and are kind of a lost cause, and and sometimes even with experience will have the wrong takeaways. So you know they'll uh, just remember. A lot of people have major recency bias. So I think uh, going back to uh, to Geo, I, I thought that this was one thing that he said that I was like, I, I don't agree with this. He was saying like he cut out uh, Chris Middleton. You know, he, he was saying like, oh, Chris Middleton, everybody wants to play Chris Middleton when Giannis is out. But I played Chris Middleton and he had a horrible game. And I'm like, well, that's just a really small sample size and not a good reason to to cut him out. But I think that, you know, there, there are a lot of players who, and obviously Geo is not typically one of those players. But I think that a lot of people take that to the extreme of like, oh, this guy sucks. He was bad for me. I'm never playing him again. And I think that there are people who actually mean that when they say it. So... Uh, so I think that it's a, a lower, a lower. Yeah, but I don't think. But people. I don't think that that's as big of a mistake. Most most of the time, if you wanted to x out two or three players, you're not going to get punished as much for it because unless that happens to be some extremely high projected player, that it's not going to matter. I could look at the today's baseball slate and go, I'd never play Merrill Kelly. And be like, well, if I don't play 8% on Merrill Kelly today, can I still make a good lineup? Yeah, of course. So, like, if I just X'd out, I'm never, uh, Lance Lynn, dead to me. Like, well, he does, he's 8.2K, and it, you could play him. You don't have to. I mean, like, like to me, that's not the mistake. But thinking in terms, like, to me, it's a macro issue. Like, and of getting, it's, it's the same people that complain about the weather. I think that's 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 a good that's a good way of a good way of putting it. Like in the general population, we're thinking very like micro for DFS. But yeah. you turn on the weather. I mean, this is old school because you have a weather app. I don't. I'm not watching the morning weather on uh, you know the Good Morning Kentuckiana, whatever the hell here. Uh, but the weather, the weather, the, the weather person will come on. Showers are in the area, right? Today, 
Get your umbrella. There's a 75% chance of rain. Like it's, we got, we get up to, up to one and a half inches. Like storms are coming in later today. Uh, said, said we, we got, you know, 82% chance of whatever. And then, uh, you'd get your umbrella. People get, take their umbrella to work or whatever. And they get out of work at 5, 5, 5, 30. And it's still not raining. It's like, it's still fine. And then, then at like 6, 15, there's like a, some light rain, right? A little bit of light rain off and on. And then it's like, you get home and you're like, wow, that weather, wow. The weather, the weather person sucked. Weather person made it out like it was going to rain a ton, but you don't realize that 20 miles north of you, it rained a ton, yeah. right? Because the the storm, the weather forecast was from, from twelve hours ago, so it's like based on the percentages. That's why that's why the dude said seventy five eighty percent chance of of rain. Because twenty yeah. percent of the time the storm goes a little bit north and misses the metropolitan area, but kills the fucking suburb right above it. That their weather forecast may may have been like, well, you have a forty percent chance of rain. Right. They have a lot. They they have like this probably probably goes south of you. Right. You don't get this. And next thing you know, there's hail. That, but that was the 20 percent chance. Right. Of how. Right. It, but for in the that community, they look at the weather person and go that weather person sucks. Right. right? He said 20 percent chance of rain. And it and it, it was a it was a hail storm. And then and the weather person is just your DFS tout in this scenario. Right. Right. And then the and then the, in the city where we are. That it barely rained, and we're looking. Why was he making it out? That eighty percent chance of rain and possible hail, and I got to leave work early to make sure that I, I don't get stuck in a whatever. And then nothing happened. Well, this this weather guy sucks. And it's like no, the, the the weather guy was perfect, right? He's not, it's not a he's not calling. A, he never said a hundred percent chance of rain. He's just going based on what I'm saying. Here's the probabilities, but people take. Like, is it going to, they, that what they're asking, Neil, what they're asking the meteorologist, is it going to rain today? And you know what the meteorologist is saying? It depends. Yeah. <laughs> right. They want a yes, no answer. Right. They want a yes, yes no or answer. no answer. Yeah. That's why like someone like Kevin Roth, like I, like to me, I, I admire what he does because people do, like, I don't think a lot people, of flack. <laughs> no, I don't think people get. The difference between what Kevin Roth has to do and what an actual media, what he is an actual meteorologist, but from what a what a, a a news TV meteorologist does, okay? That here's here's the biggest difference, and people don't get it. They really don't get it. Uh, the once I say it, you'll get it. Uh, the meteorologist you see on your morning news or whatever has to has to give you a prediction of rain for an entire metropolitan area, right? So sure. so. There's an 80% chance of rain, but like you may be in the south end of town, right? Like I'm in the center part. Maybe, maybe slightly south, it's going to be more rain. Like it, who knows, right? Something's coming through. Where is it going to hit in, in town? Kevin Roth has to forecast the weather of a, of a, like a one square mile block as opposed yeah. to a 50 square mile area, right? So there's a lot of times where it, in Atlanta, especially, right? They get pop-up storms or even in Denver sometimes in Colorado where it's like there's storms in the area and they could pop up anytime, but it's not a line. It's like if it was a line, then he could say, yeah, they're probably in a, 
that this rain's coming in around 1030 or something like that. Right. But right. other than that, it's like, oh, there's this stuff scattered around. And then what happens is that there's he put, listed as like yellow, yellow, green. And then there's some two hour rain delay and people go nuts. And now it doesn't get the game doesn't get postponed, but it's like the pop ups happen. I mean, like that. He wrote that. He literally See, wrote what I, that. What I thought you were going to say is he has to not only predict the weather, but he also has to predict what they're going to do with the game. Right. The decision of the people who are making those decisions. Right, but I'm not even is. counting that. But I'm just counting yeah. like he has to make a weather forecast on like on, yeah. on a very so small to... area that like, like – there because there are a lot of times that you take a look at the actual radar and it looks like, oh, my God, Cincinnati is going to get killed. And Roth is on crunch time going – don't worry about Cincinnati. It's like, dude, there's a line of storms coming. Like it's, it's going to be approaching the stadium in like 30 minutes. It's like, nope, they're going to peter out. And most of the storms are going to be North only because from a half an hour, like 12 hours out, the forecast models are who knows. Yeah. But from this point, it's like, he's looking, he's number one. He's looking at proprietary models, not just going to your weather app. And he could see the differences in how they forecast weather. And he's just looking and goes, well, based on what I see here, like, you don't have to worry about it. It's like, what's the worst case scenario? Maybe a 10-minute late start or something. But if you just looked at it yourself, you'd be like, I, I got to avoid this game. And then there are some other games where you look and it's like, it doesn't look like there's much weather in the area at all. But you don't realize that some something's happening and that, you know, two hours into the game, it's... Roth says basically once this comes, the game's over, right? Like the, they they ain't they ain't playing through this, but like all of what he's saying is still a probability. So like when I even listen to Roth or read his weather report, yeah. like I and and I and I say this in Discord, it's like it's 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 his job to give you the the probabilities, and it's your job to assess the, your risk and yeah. whether or not of what to do. So if you if you never want to take on any risk whatsoever, if there's any semblance, if any semblance of rain or anything, just just x all those players out. Which is, I mean, it's the exact same thing with like the the top stacks tool or you know whatever whatever the rotor is equivalent is. It's the exact same thing. We're giving you the, the tool is giving you the exact probabilities of this team. I mean, according to this simulation, the probability of of this team being the top stack on the slate. You have to decide. Okay. Weigh that against the ownership. You know, how much am I going to play of that team? Yeah, but people aren't even getting to the probabilities. That's the point that you were making before. Yeah. Like when 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 the top stack tool says so-and-so, like I'm, I'm going to assume that on today's like the Padres are number one on DraftKings definitely by far. Uh, like the top, it's, it's, it's the not understanding what the total combined probabilities it's uh <coughs> if something is let's say in baseball on a 15 game slate like i'm using the extreme example it's mm -hmm. a 15 game slate there's 30 teams and one of the teams top stack top team highest scoring team whatever you want to call it is 50% yeah. likely Right, that which would be absurd. That would ne that, 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 never happen. Yeah. You're right, that would never happen. That's why I said an extreme example. Yep. Fifty percent likelihood. That also means that there's a fifty percent chance that one of the other twenty nine teams is the highest scoring team. Right. Yep. It's not even though the next team after 
let's say the Padres are 50% chance of being the top stack. The next team is Colorado at 7%, right? People would look at that and go, well, why am I bothering? Like, I'm talking about the late, the, the person that doesn't understand probability would go, yep. well, this is, this is a lock, right? This is, yep. well, I'm just going to play the Padres in all my lineups. Look how, look how much more likely that is to happen than the next team. Because they look at all the other teams individually. They go, well, the Rockies are seven. The Royals are six. The Yankees are four. Like, all these teams have very low numbers. And this team has a very big number. It's like, yeah, but yep. all the teams underneath it combined still are 50. So half the time, one of those teams, who knows which one it's going to be, right? Obviously, some a little bit more than others are going to be the highest scoring team. And then you know what ends up happening half the time? This person plays, you know, Padres in all their lineups. They score four runs, right? And some other team on the slate scores 12. And they go, well, the top stack tool sucks. It's yeah. like, it does. It literally told It literally told you exactly, exactly what it is. 50% of the time doesn't mean all the time. Even though that one number is very bigger than the other numbers. But the problem with thinking that way is that... Uh, I, I think the biggest hurdle, Neil, is to is this is this the is this my brain not working properly? Of not immediate like look at the reaction that I said of that of that type of that type of person. The reaction is the information that I saw was wrong. Right. Instead of the information that I saw I did not interpret correctly and one and i think this is uh getting back to your your 18 guests plus me on your podcast 19 guests plus you by the 19, way. 19 oh there was oh we broke you up into two episodes but it was still both were episode 20 oh both were okay i thought it was episode 19 yeah. and 20 okay so i'm i'm i missed one random person or something even though i listened to them all uh i did not i did not hear any single person ever lame blame in anything other than themselves like, I think that's a commonality between all high-stakes players. We may jokingly tilt stuff, oh, right? Sure. Right? You may jokingly go, of course, of course, Chuck, of course, you know, over-owned, whatever, over-owned Yankees get there, the fish win, right? But it's like, like, it is what it is. But we don't blame the tools. We don't, we don't, like, the difference is that recreational player, the more casual player, that doesn't know how to interpret information correctly that has the information and still doesn't understand what it really means when they look at a median projection and go when the, the pitcher scores negative six and they go, well, the projection is wrong instead of maybe I'm not understanding what this projection means. Right. But yep. if you're constantly going to external sources of the reason for my failure is because they're wrong. They're wrong. This is wrong. That's wrong. This like, Maybe it's you, yes. right? But good players tend to, I, I tend to think the complete opposite. I tend to go, I, I, I don't think anything's wrong with anything that I'm looking at. I just think I screwed up somehow. I just like, yep. like if, oh, something, something was off and I, you know, I mean, I made a mistake or, I mean, long-term that te tends to even itself out. I mean, like you're not yeah. making mistakes every single day, right? You're making CSV errors and like that, that that's a different story. But I'm not looking like I'm not looking at, at a pitching projection and go like if Josh Fleming today puts up 27 points going, well, 
Well, his, his median projection was 14. The projections are wrong. It's like, well, I just look at that and I look, okay, based on the bat, his ceiling sets 26.4. Now, to a lot of players, and I've, I've heard this plenty of times, Josh Fleming will score 28 points, right, or something. And they go, well, the projection is wrong. I go, so I go, no, he just hit like a, he hit like a 78th percentile outcome or an 80th percentile outcome. He says, no, the ceiling says 26. So if that's the ceiling, that's the most that he could possibly score. And the fact that he scored more, that means this is wrong. And you obviously could hear the difference between, it's like the ceiling doesn't mean the 100th percentile. Right. The ceiling means, depending on what you're looking at, either the 75th or the 83rd, you have to ask what that number means. Usually it'll say. Usually it'll say, right. But a lot of times, it's a, if you just said it's around the 80th percentile, that would typically be true for most things. So like, it's just, that's, those are just percentile outcomes. So like people are complaining about something. It's like, no, you, your, 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 your complaint is highlighting the fact that you, you see this, these numbers and you still don't know what they mean. Right. You see the top stack tool and you still don't know what they mean. Right. And how do you get, how do you get better by understanding what they mean rather than saying, well, uh, obviously this is wrong. So I'm going to unsubscribe from this place and then go to the place that has has the right stuff, yeah. right? That has the magic formula, right? Which happens all the time. People switch sites because they tilt. They get tilted about three days in a row. I did what the what the tool said I should do and it didn't work. So yeah, but the tool didn't say to do anything. That's the yeah, point. Yeah. <laughs> the tool didn't say anything, right? This guy, they had a 22% chance of being the top stack and they got, when the Dodgers, remember last week or something? The Dodgers were immense chalk and then gets like complete game shutout by Chad Cool or something. Oh yeah, in right? Colorado, yeah. <laughs> right, when that happened? That was great. Right? Oh, in Colorado also, right? It was yeah. in in cores and they yeah. get shut out by Chad Cool and uh, uh, no one, like, no, yeah, he put up a 98th percentile outcome. Yeah. Right? Like, well, the top stack tool was 27% chance. That means, that means 73% of the time some other team. Like, when you put it in that type of thing, it's like, how do you not get this? Yeah. Like, I thought this would be easy to me to say, well, well, yeah, they're the most likely, but not not compared to 73% of the time some, some other team. Yeah. I don't know what other team, but some other team outscores them. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, now, now you get, and I'm sitting there, I'm sitting there going, please get it. Please get probability. Please get it. Yep. Right. It's like, oh, yeah. When you put it that way, I get. Yeah, I shouldn't. I shouldn't be thinking that the top stack means lock anymore. Yeah. And Generally, so the most likely like, outcome is still an unlikely outcome. Right. And people just have a lot of trouble with that concept. Right. Or just, at, at, in poker, you see that also. Yeah. You have pocket life, aces. I think you see that. Right. And, well, I'm just saying, like the common time you see this is in limit poker. Limit hold'em. You're playing limit hold'em, and you're playing on a very loose table, right? So you you're in fir- you're in first position, and you raise with pocket aces, and you get called in seven spots, right? So you're going eight way to the flop, with the hand that as of this moment has like a thirty eight percent chance of being the winning hand at the end, but your confidence is like a hundred percent, right? Because you have the best possible starting hand, and then. The flop comes down, and if you saw everyone else's cards at that moment, you may actually be an underdog right now, yeah. right? But even if you're a favorite now, 
you're up against so many other hands that as of this moment, it could be that you're now like a 50% chance of winning this hand. But there's seven hands out against you. Like one of those other hands will beat you. I don't know which hand it's going to be, but as long as everyone stays in, you're only going to win about half the time. Of course, you're collecting money from seven other people, so it's profitable in that scenario. And then what ends up happening is you get beat by 8-2 because someone turned two pair, right? And and you kept on going, and you, then you, you babble, and it's like, ah, oh, these people and whatever. It's like, like, no, you were actually in a very profitable situation. It's just that you're not going to win it that often. But when you win, you win way more money than you should. Because when you raise, you got seven callers instead of one or none, as you should have gotten with an a, an under the gun raise from someone that probably doesn't doesn't play many hands, and they still called you anyway. So most of the time, most of the time, most forty percent of the time, you make like six times, seven times as much money as you should. But it also means you're going to lose like two thirds of the time, also. But like. That's something poker players understand, good poker players understand, but you'll see, yep. you'll be at the, you'll, trust me, you'll see at the table all the time, they'll slam down the cards. I never win with pocket aces, right? Now I'm just, I'm, I'm raising with garbage now. Like, like, no, no, you, you, you may have played the hand perfectly and maybe they even played the hand perfectly, but they bet, they only bet that when they were ahead and they never called when they were behind. Because someone was stupid enough, even when they made a hand, to not value bet it. So you yep. played it per. You literally maximized the amount of money that went in the pot when you were the the biggest favorite, and you put it nothing when you were behind. And you're bemoaning being in that situation. Well, every good poker player is like, I'd love to play in that type of game, right? Because yeah. yeah, but you have to understand, you're going to lose with that hand more often than you think against seven opponents than you are against one opponent. But that's the very the very same thing with the top stacks of like, yeah, when there's when there's 30 teams on a slate and the top stack is 17%, which is very high for 30 teams on a slate. Yeah. That still means 83% of the time it's not. Like, but what they want, what I, I think a lot a lot lot a lot of the problem is what they want is, well, if it's not that team, then who is it? Right. And they don't like the answer of it. Well, you see all these teams underneath them that are kind of like tied with each other. Like there's like 12 teams that are like within like a four to 6% range. I mean, any one of those, yep. <laughs> well, which one? And those are the exact odds. Those are the, yeah, yeah. those are the odds. I, I, what happens today? I don't know. Right. So could be any one of them. That's why, especially in baseball, it's like baseball is more of the type of thing where dude, you can play, you can play, so many different lineups that like, well, I don't even know why people ask me, is this a good lineup? Is that a good lineup? Dude, it's baseball, right? Basketball is so much different. Basketball, I can take a look at a lineup and go, why the hell are you playing that lineup? Yeah. Like, because most of the time, the pricing is so inefficient on most slates. That's kind of like, unless you're doing something, you know, you're probably playing three of these five players, right? And then figuring out what you want to do after that. So it kind of limits your choices, but in baseball, other than maybe pitchers, like you could get away with practically anything, and I think that's that's what confuses people, right? When it's when it's like, oh, you could play five thousand lineups that are all about the same expected value, and they're like, well, which one is the best? And I go, none of them are, and then their head explodes, and they go, well, how do you win by just playing? They said, 
you play as many of them as you can, and you, you hope you get lucky on a night. I mean, like, just hope to realize the EV of these lineups Long tonight. For, right? Yep. That's 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 what it is. Yep. Still not working out for me this year in baseball. After after last year, I felt like I was winning a tournament every week. This year, I have not won any tournaments. So well, I've, you had to make it up from last year. I mean, that's it's 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 true. It's it's, it's very. DFS I think I got a little bit lucky last year, and I'm getting a little bit unlucky this year, and it evens out. Uh, but people confuse luck, like like luck is variance. Yeah, not luck. Playing a bad right. lineup and winning is luck. Yeah. Playing a good, play, I mean, but that, that that's what anyone will say, right? I didn't play any bad lineups; it's just bad variance, variance, right? Right, right. Well, it couldn't have been me, but I don't think that to to, to cl- close it out with all of the interviews that you've done on high stakes, like that, I. I haven't heard any. I didn't hear anyone that was like, like, when when I when I win, it's because of skill, and when I lose, it's because of luck. It's always the right. other way. It's always the other way around. Of, like, I think I'm playing well. I think I am. I may not be, and I thought I played well, and I managed to get first place in a million dollars. And yeah, but it, that it could someone could have easily just like not caught a pass. And I come to come in third. Like, so like that, the difference between first and third, that's not me. That's just, that's, that's luck. Yep. But people misconstrue that too. I'm only successful because of luck. Cause then once you think that way, then it, there's no skill in the game. Then why am I even bothering listening to any of this? Or just, oh, I might as well just be throwing random darts. Right. If every lineup is the same. Right. Yeah. If every lineup is the same, you might as well just just throw it as 150 lineups. You can you can do no wrong. Yeah, exactly. Cover all combos. Uh, I, my question now is: so I agree with you that every every uh, guest that I had, all 20 guests had the correct approach, the correct mindset. How am I going to find 20 more guests like that for season two? That's going to be hard. You got people part. at Stochastic that you haven't. Oh, I know. I know. I, there are plenty of people out there. Right. I could always yeah. come back for another two parter. <laughs> all right. I'm you, in. you, yeah, as 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 uh, as I said on on the show, said you always you'll you'll always know when Neil ran out of guests or had someone cancel on very short notice if I'm on again, or if I'm yeah. on at all. But this no, time it was this time you planned. In this that. case, I wanted to have you on. Yeah, I, I thought we got to have Blender in there. Uh, we were contemplating maybe ending season one, so I thought I should get Blender in there before before the end of the season at least. Uh, you know, stop, stop saving you for a rainy day. I figured I'd, cause I wanted, I wanted to have you on the podcast at some point. Uh, but, but you still need, yeah. you still need Adam. I need to convince Adam to come on. What? What? He doesn't want to come on. He's I think he, I think he has concerns about giving up edge. He has he come on this podcast. I, I know. I know. And I think, uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I have no idea. He's maybe, on maybe shows. What do you mean changed? giving up know. the edge? He's on shows on stochastic. Yeah. Talk to Adam. Petition Adam to come on. I don't care. Stakes. I don't care I about him. I'm, I'm talking to the audience now. Oh. Apparently he's dating yeah, someone there, there now that's way out of his league. Players. I don't think he wants to come on. What's that? I think he's dating someone that's out of his league. So oh, okay. Spending the time doing that, I guess. I don't know. All right. That would make sense. Okay. So, Neil, player Q DFS on Twitter. People could search for the High Stakes DFS podcast. If you want to listen to more of me, 
It's three hours and forty minutes of it in the past two episodes. And the, and the next the next episode is what uh, August twenty fifth or something. I believe August twenty sixth. It's a Friday, late okay. in August. For the basically the, the one week before the NFL season starts. Yeah. Because t- typically that's when we're we're in the lull period. Yeah. Or typically yeah. end of June, July, beginning of August, and once football, once NFL preseason starts, like that's when uh, things really start to pick up. Okay, doke. I'll I'll see you again in another uh, another another two weeks, and uh, good. hopefully hopefully uh, you'll win you'll win more than like twelve dollars in MMA. Yeah, we'll see. Two more weeks. Okay, as always, the Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports. It's a fifteen-hour audio DFS masterclass. You can pick up at theoryofdfs.com.